When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the B-Sides bonus episode, the E-Sides emergency, emergency episode. Emergency. (laughs) We're here talking to you at an irregular time once again, because Taylor Swift has dropped her second album of the year, her ninth studio album, Evermore. And... We're going to get into it. We have a lot, we're still processing because it's only been, what? Not 20 even hours. 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Less than 24 hours. So let's get started. Welcome to the B-Sides. Today, the E-Sides. This is a podcast for lefties who believe the pop music matters. I'm Mimi. I'm Becky. I'm Hannah. Wow. Okay. We have so many feelings. <laughs> We have to think about this as its own entity, and then we also have to think about it, like, in the context of, like, folklore and everything else Sister. about this year. Mm-hmm. I think, like, let's just jump in with some overall reactions, because we have a lot to cover. Right. So, um, what did you guys, what did you guys think off the jump? Hannah, what do you think? I love this album. Right now, I feel... I think I like folklore better, but it might just because I've listened to it. I've listened to folklore a hundred million times. Um, When we were quickly, you know, putting together our thoughts and notes for this episode, I was looking over the notes from our folklore episode earlier this summer. And I like, it was such a big deal. That album was such a big deal musically. And this doesn't feel like a big deal and that's okay. Right. This is folklore's sister. The, from the first song Willow, to the album I was listening to it this morning, I was like, this all sounds familiar to me. It, it fully does feel like Folklore's sister. It doesn't feel like, like, you know, exactly what Taylor said. It's part of the era. So it's not as big of a deal, which is kind of wild because I've never, ever experienced a Taylor Swift drop. I mean, it's still obviously a huge deal. It's an emergency, as we like to call it, but it, it doesn't feel like, oh my goodness, like what does this say about where she's at as a person, like musically and as an artist, all of those things. It's not really what I feel like is most salient to talk about and think about right now. And has let me think all about the music and the songs, which I like. Yeah. I think um, she described this as like going, she was like, essentially we're at a precipice in the woods where we could go like further into the woods or we could go back and we went further into the woods. And it feels like that to me as well. It feels like she's had more room to experiment on this sonically and lyrically because like we got all of the like folklore like what is this she's like goth folk now or whatever like out of the way over the summer um so it's just a continuation of that and we don't have to like do all of that again Becky what do you think I liked it I think Taylor Swift could like put out shit in a bag and I'd be like wow that's a great album you know that was great um I I agree with Hannah. I'm feeling that like 
I like folklore more and it's maybe because I've heard it more times, but it's not, it hasn't, I don't know. I like it fine. It's like definitely currently at the, towards the end in my ranking of her nine albums. Um, I was honestly really hoping for the remastering to come out today. Not that I don't mind another album, but I had gotten myself so psyched to hear Red again in a new way. And that doesn't mean it's not coming and I'm sure it will. Um, but you know, it's like you get yourself prepared for something and then it's something different you're like, cool, I'll roll with the punches, but it's not what I thought. I, I, I am now remembering your, your text from yesterday. You were like, so like, are we not re-recording red right now? Or <laughs> like, what are you doing yeah. at long, long pond meadows? Yeah. What's going on there? To paint a picture, a a visual for our listeners, Becky is recording in a Cornelia shirt, a Cornelia Street shirt. Well, (laughs) we were saying right before this got started, so I had tickets to Loverfest for, was supposed to be last August, and I still technically have tickets for Loverfest, but now I kind of don't know what concert I have tickets to. I cannot see her doing Evermore and Folklore in Gillette Stadium with 80,000 people. It does not really seem like the anthem type. I think she'll probably tour Lover and do a mix, like probably throw in a few of the songs. But I also said that about Folklore, and now there's 15 more songs that are similar to Folklore. So I don't know. Taylor, don't cancel Loverfest. Like, whatever you do, keep it. Plus, she'll um, do the remastered. She's probably going to do some – she's going to reimagine some songs, yeah. and we'll and we'll – tour those as well so yeah I really don't know what concert you have to <laughs> I hold on to them I don't care I'll fucking go to anything I'm so excited to be with 80,000 strangers and, and it's outside show and it's gonna be outside yeah it's gonna be amazing so get me that vaccine for <laughs> <laughs> it when I don't know what it is but anyway back to back to business back to business okay not the business of vaccines, to be clear. And it's a separate podcast. Yeah. Um, that that one's coming up next. Okay. So this is so she said, I believe, that like folklore was spring and summer, and evermore is like fall and winter in terms of seasons, which we know she loves, which we know we love. What do you guys think about that and all about this like like quote-unquote a gentle conspiracy theory that this is like actually a trilogy like what do you guys what do you guys know about that I don't think it's a gentle conspiracy theory granted I very easily can get wrapped into conspiracy theories but so I saw on TikTok which Hannah informed me is not a TikTok theory it's an internet theory but I'm naming it my TikTok theory that this song this album is part of there's gonna be three ones like it there's folklore Evermore and then Woodvale. And Woodvale, if you look at the sweaters in her set, by the way, there's three sweaters. There's three stars on the sweater set. And if you zoom close in, I think it's on folklore, you can see Woodvale in white. In the top right corner of a photo of her in the woods. Oh, that's what it is in the photo. Yeah. yeah. I don't know it. what it's on, like what where that photo is. I think it's the black and white one of her standing in the woods. On her merch? Yeah. If someone knows and we're wrong, they're like screaming into their headphones right now. <laughs> well, she, yeah. she doesn't do shit by accident. That's no, all I'm no. saying. Like everything's so calculated. 
for example, I also saw on Reddit that one, uh, a couple weeks ago for like one of the last calls for one of the cardigans, the, um, code was wreck your plans. I, um, I knew that because someone in some Facebook group I'm in, like gave everyone the code. Cause they were like, check out the merch. Like here's the, the code is wreck my plans. And I really like, that's such a great, like, what's that from? And I didn't think so hard about it. And then last night, watching willow i was like wreck my plans why does that remind me of something like where is that from and then i googled it and i was like that's so random that it was the merch (laughs) access code like that's what i mean she does like to have three stars and three sweater sets it's like i don't know do you guys think i'm crazy i don't think you're crazy i i don't know what to make of woodvale it's certainly something um in her lot you know she posted not a lot not a whole lot going on at the moment a few months ago. And then that was when folklore dropped. And then she posted it again a few weeks ago. And in that picture, there's like two of everything. There's like two pillows, two lamps, two paintings, like everything has two. So that leads me to think that maybe it is just two albums If that, but maybe she was just mm-hmm. saying like, Hey, there's a sister coming. I have no idea. Well, I mean, at this point, anything can happen. I don't like need another album right now, but that's just because I'm processing this one. Well, people said this would be in May. By people, I mean my friends on Reddit said Mm -hmm. that this would drop in May. Maybe she's going to be like full circle, spring, summer again. (laughs) Everything ends neatly in this trilogy. And in terms of the seasons that you were talking about, um, Mimi, that, you know, she did call this fall and winter, which I totally feel like tis the damn season. And there's, you know, lines about autumn and Marjorie and a lot of cozy vibes i always folklore felt like a fall album to me at the, at the time also though so she th- she thinks that was spring and summer and she's obviously allowed to it was her experience but i felt like all of them are fall <laughs> mm-hmm. well i mean iconically iconically fall is kind of her thing but like all we know is that she is just like not at all beholden to media cycles or press cycles at this point. Like she can put out whatever, whenever, and like the world is just going to stop for it whenever, as we have, we've, (laughs) we've changed our own plans for this. Yeah. And I remember that (laughs) she wrecked our plans. I remember that, um, in our DMs yesterday, um, besides friend named Alex was like, she's pulling an Ariana Grande and putting out content, you know, as quickly as Ariana put out, thank you next after sweetener. And that makes a lot of sense to me, except in the, in other ways, it's kind of the opposite of what Ariana did. She was like, I'm ready to move immediately into the next era. I have all of these new ideas and they're like bursting through me. Whereas Taylor was like, Oh, um, I'm not done. I want to stay in this a little longer and like, and, and not just in my Instagram filters, but actually in the creativity behind the eras. Yeah. And Ari had gone through like such Mm -hmm. a breakup too, that it was like, it was very different in this. I don't William Bowery is on three songs. So I don't think she's going through any breakup. And I do also believe in another conspiracy theory that I think that she's pregnant Uh or something's up. (laughs) Where, what, I mean, I actually agree with you. So I'm curious, like, what are the things that make you think she's pregnant? Her face looks round, looks rounder than normal. And she's wearing a lot of loose fitting things. And she, yeah, I guess I, we don't know when, we don't know when they shot this and we don't know when like they filmed Willow at least, but also a lot of her stuff she's seen from the back. 
and her photos are taken from far away and she's wearing a lot of layers more so than I think she does normally that's all yeah it is colder let's call it here that if she announces her pregnancy it will be in an Instagram post with the caption give you my wild give you a child baby emoji I think she'll announce her pregnancy I think she'll be like oh by the way I had a kid and that would be like it like Beyonce and his name is Woodville <laughs> yeah honestly yes literally like so calculated that that would actually happen oh my god no no, no that's it that's uh, honestly it and she like bought Long Meadow to like that's like the house where she's like gonna raise him do you find it interesting that Joe Alwyn is um, called William Bowery on his three album, on his three cuts, even though she has already revealed that that that's Joe Alwyn. Like, did they mess up the timing or was he just like, no, like, actually, this is my stage name. Beyonce has Sasha Fierce. I'm William Bowery. Yeah, maybe he got into it. Yeah. I could see Jack Antonoff being like, you got to keep the name. And like calling him Bill to be funny. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking yeah. of Jack, I was a little, I was hoping for more Jack. I hate to say it. You hate to see it, but he was only on two songs and he only co-produced one of those songs. Listen, like the data, the data is very compelling. This is one of Becky's least favorite Taylor albums and it has one of the lowest amount of Jack songs in a long but time. So you do the math. Interesting. Yes, but I, I will say where there's a blip in that data is that Red is my favorite album and he's not on that. Got it. Mm-hmm. so but normally you would be correct in the re- in the recent times yeah that was a different time mm-hmm. that was just a different time yeah interesting thinking about how this album sounds I think Aaron Dressner is the one who said this but it might have been Taylor that this was that this album was more sonically experimental than folklore was and I definitely believe that was their experience making it I don't know yet if I experience it as more experimental um except maybe the backing track of closure that's kind of like fun and wacky but in general it, it really sounds a lot like folklore to me on you know what am I on fourth listen f- fifth listen so I'm glad to hear that they were like they think they were having more fun with it I will say it's I had a lot of fun going through um on genius going through the like instrumentalists and it'll say like Justin Vernon is doing all this stuff it'll just be like Justin Vernon triangle it's like they're doing some great stuff i want a t-shirt that says justin vernon triangle on it should yeah. we make that for merch yeah let's do it no contribution idea yeah and just talking i can continue talking about overall like themes of the album Christa, besides when christine said it surprised me that it felt autobiographical even if it wasn't her intention Mm-hmm. which I think is an interesting take because she made such a big deal of folklore and this era being about stories. And it, it, she made it more so a point than ever for it to be not her stories when normally the albums are very much autobiographical. And so it's almost as like, you're making such an effort to be like, it's not about you. Then like, maybe it is about you. If you're like doth protest too much, I don't know. But I did think that was an interesting take. Definitely. And I think, um, I think her voice sounds so good in this era. I think like I felt this way in folklore and I definitely feel it now and on, on Evermore and especially after watching the Disney plus, like, I just think she, like, this is, this is the music that is made for Taylor Swift's voice, which Taylor Swift has already, has always written 
almost all of her own songs. So you would think that it would always be. And it's not to say that anything that she's made has not fit her voice musically, but I just think, I, I just love this. And Kendra actually said, um, besides friend Kendra said, she sounds like the truest version of herself, though I've enjoyed them all. And I think that's speaking to the the lyrics that she's writing and singing, um, not only how she sounds, but I think this just sounds very, the whole thing sounds very Taylor Swift as it should. I saw a funny tweet that was like, Taylor's lower register has entered the chat. I'm obsessed with that. <laughs> like not really in Willow, but like in everything else. Yeah. What's the one I'm thinking of where her lower register becomes, no, actually, yes, in Willow. Um, in the last time she sings the the chorus, doesn't she go low? I'm making that up. She goes really low in happiness too, I think. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's true. I don't know. It's too soon to tell. Yeah. I'm sorry if I was wrong. I, I haven't spent say, enough time with the songs. I, I was just going to say, like, I remember um, there was so much about our initial reactions to folklore that now going back, I wish we could do like our reactions again, which I guess would just be an album review and not as exciting. And I'm our I reactions with this. Our reactions to our reactions. That's like YouTube. We'll know. do the Billie Eilish thing where it's like once a year uh-huh. you ask the same questions. Do you watch? I watch those every I year. I love them. Also. Me too. Yeah. Grace loves them too. She always sends them to me. They're so good. They're so good. Mimi, and do like, you know what we're talking about? Have you seen no, them? They're amazing. Yeah. Quick they're so tangent good. to talk about Billie Eilish. Since 2017, is that 2018? Since 2018. 2017. No, 2017. In 2017, Billie Eilish gave an interview for Vanity Fair. And is it Vanity Fair? I was going to say, it's a conversation we had about Miley Cyrus. It's a Vanity Fair as Vogue. Vogue, okay. <laughs> she gave an interview. And then in 2018, she did the same interview again, like the same questions where she answers them and they like compared. And then they did it for 2019 and 2020. So now there's been four versions and she like reacts to like previous Billies. Oh, wow. It's really great content. Wow. Yeah. And answers really the same good. question every year. That's like every time Facebook delivers a memory and I'm like, okay, <laughs> it's, it's like time hop. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, we could do that with our podcast, but yeah. who would it be for? I you know there'll be so ask. much that we, you know, have, we have epiphanies about as time goes on. And I'm sure there's a lot that when people who are listening to this right now, you know, a lot of things have hit people at different times and in different ways. And I hope that this is a satisfying episode to listen to so far, but I know that everybody will be hit by this album in a lot of different ways on the first day. Yep. Um, just a couple more overall things before we get into more specifics. So um, Lauren said, like, my mind turns your life into folklore, that lyric in Gold Rush, um, which I think had us all screaming and, you know, it's like in movies when they say the title of the movie and you're like, ah, you know, there are some movies that are like very well known for that. And I was like, when is she going to say folklore? I was also like, when is she going to say something like December Christmassy? And then I heard her say deck the halls. And I was like, there it is before I even saw um, Christmas tree song. Christmas tree song. Is that what it is? Is an underrated Taylor song. So true. Farm. Farm. Right. Christmas tree farm. Um, yeah, so in general, you know, lastly, before we really get into specifics, I think like the main thing for me that felt very experimental, um, aside from like her just knowing, 
as she re- as she's recording it, the people aren't going to have the same reaction because they already had it and it's going to be a continuation. Um, just like the freedom that that provides is um, the time signatures, which Hannah, you had pointed out. And like with closure, as an example, there are these like mixed time signatures where it goes back and forth. And I was thinking about how when I was in like music major in high school, we had to do these things called like mighty 100s where there's like a sheet of music and we had to like conduct it and it would change time signatures. And I was listening to closure and I was like, this would have been, I would have been fucked. Like (laughs) this, I mean, you know, it just, it's, it's confusing, but it's really interesting. Um, And yeah. And the last um, reaction from one of our listeners, um, Madeline said, personally prefer the production of folklore because I'm not so into the 80s synth stuff I think yeah um I love 80s synth stuff so maybe that's why I didn't think it was so 80s you know I think there's a lot of subtle 80s stuff that I think we might have to do some more listens like not like Cindy Lauper 80s necessarily but in terms of yeah synthy vibes there's a lot of um in my very cursory just ever more googling that people are comparing it to various 80s bands Mm. which i think is cool and i'm excited to like learn more about those influences i love that stuff so i'm excited about it i mean certainly not 80s the way miley cyrus's new album is 80s (laughs) which is amazing No. no it's more like let's not forget miley she worked so hard for classic arts and i just it's just a blip on the radar in 2020 Yeah, but if you know, you know. It's true. And if you don't know, you should listen to our episode about it, which was great. (laughs) Yeah. It's more like um, something that I assume is a guitar at first, and then I listen closely because I'm like, how would you play that? And then I'm like, oh, it's actually like a synth. Oh, okay. There's a little bit of that, like in Marjorie and some of the others. Anyway, there's yeah, there's some influences there. That's a perfect segue. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about some of the songs and dynamics specifically. Um, let's start with Becky's guy. My guy. Zach Antonoff, who Shout. was used very sparingly on this album. Um, and maybe there are some regrets about that. And I I think that if they did this really, which is where they, they did do it at Long... Is it Long Pond Meadow? What is it called? I like just forest tree stream. I like just changing the name slightly every time. (laughs) At the Four Seasons, at the Four Seasons, uh, the Long Meadow landscape (laughs) at the Marriott. That's where, like, they that's where uh, the credit is for the recording. So I actually probably imagine that they were doing it when they did the Disney Plus show, and I wouldn't Uh be surprised if we get an Evermore Disney Plus series to come out sometime soon. Um, but I wonder if like, did Jack have to go someplace? Was he asleep? Were they like, no problem, Jack? Like we got this covered. I was surprised by how little he was on this album. That's to say I did obviously enjoy Gold Rush because he, he touched it. So I enjoyed it. Was not my favorite though. I think it's my favorite. I think it is, or it's up there. It just like, it just moves you. And it's like so glittery which makes sense because of gold. And I saw a nice, um, the only thing I wasn't like obsessed with about the song, um, I saw a thing on Tumblr that made me feel better about it because I was a little bit, the same way I felt about the song Gorgeous, where I was like, is Joe Alwyn that 
is he that hot, Taylor, that you like really can't handle this? But something that a Tumblr, you know, brilliant person that I don't know their name um, was saying was like, it's not about actually the, the person. It's just about personal insecurities and how you feel like, you know, your happiness could be just ripped from you at any, at any moment because, you know, your boyfriend's hot. So that made me feel better. Cause it's not just about like, cause I was really like, you know, Joe Alwyn, he's, he's a gorgeous man, but like, do we really have to like talk about his blonde hair all the time, but also maybe it's about Carly Claus. So anyway. Yeah, there is that. There is that because I I've heard a lot of people who like know Taylor Swift beyond the music better than I do. And, and like a lot of them are just like, with folklore too, they're just like, I'm sorry. I just have like a lot of difficulty believing that like any of these songs, like these many songs since she's been dating Joe are about Joe. Like, like no offense to Joe. He seems like a really nice guy. Like, but anyway, um, who knows? Okay. So we have gold rush. I, yeah, I like gold rush. I think it's fine. I'm happy for you that it's your favorite. Um, and this is the only one that Jack, produced and wrote co-produced and co-wrote um he also co-wrote ivy what's that well i was just gonna say the other one i could not guess and you two earlier today i i could not guess and you finally revealed to me that it was ivy i would not have guessed it now it's not a very jackie tune it's because he didn't wasn't like that he wasn't the sole person involved in it either i think it's fine I like Ivy a lot. I think it's like musically beautiful. I think it like continues this like it's a very kind of like wintry, like dark fairy tale picture, frozen mm-hmm. hands. More fodder for fans to speculate about Carly Kloss, etc. Um, and I love like the goddams in the <laughs> that I, I just think um that was very well placed. Um and then I have something else to say that like I'm gonna say quickly before everyone's eyes glaze over because it is like right out so this song comes right after Coney Island and like my main thing with Cody Island is like it has this really interesting history and it it like has this it had this like amusement park originally that was like really wacky and like some of you may know that I have an interest in the Gilded Age and like turn of the century nonsense. And there was like one of the original amusement parks was called Dreamland, um, which is a lyric in Ivy, which comes after Coney Island. And it was like extremely Gilded Age in that it was supposed to be this like beautiful kind of like castle-y palace. Think of like the Disney castle. But like it was like wooden, I'm pretty sure. And they just like painted it white And then they had like light bulb fixtures that just like were out there in the open. And so it was built in 1904. And then it just like burned down like very like immediately and suddenly in 1911, like the light bulbs exploded and everything burned to the ground. And she talks about dreamland and things burning to the ground right after Coney Island. I was like, that's what this is about for me. There's something for everyone here is what I'm saying. I just learned so much. I really recommend um, going to the Wikipedia page for Dreamland and making sure that it is the original amusement park on, on Coney Island. Okay, I have a question. What? Did you know that it burned down in 1904 before today? 
Yes. Like, I you knew. know this? No, well, actually it burned down in 1911. But oh, oh. I watched a documentary a long time ago that like explained all this to me. And I was like, 1904 to 1911, like what a run, <laughs> like iconic for this thing that was like supposed to be amazing. And like, just like the pinnacle of an amusement park and just like, anyway. I, uh, I like Ivy. Ivy at first, because it's in the middle also was one that I like, I just couldn't remember what it sounded like. Like it wasn't sticking with me, but the last few times I've listened to it, I've really, really started to love it. And I love the goddamn too. I think they hit, it, it hits really well. All right, let's move on. The other songs will do basically just in order, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Which means Willow. Willow, I love Willow. I think that she did such a great job reading the first single. For once. <laughs> For once. I think she, I think Cardigan was a great first Cardigan single was off Folklore great. too. That's true. I was going to say, I think that like maybe she, as she gets more comfortable with like her voice and the genre that she's putting out, she actually, it's that the, it's that the album is more cohesive. So the singles mm-hmm. that she picks aren't so different than the rest of the album, if yes. that makes sense. So like with Cardigan and Willow, they were great singles because like they made sense with the album. You weren't like jarred, like you were with stupid me. Uh, like her worst, <laughs> the like that made you not excited for Lover until you realized that the album was actually great. She just picked two really jarring verse singles. She's also talked about this with Folklore, um, and now I guess with Evermore. I, I actually think she said this in. Did anybody read the Rolling Stone interview between her and Paul McCartney? It was so beautiful. Oh I no, loved it. Oh, highly recommend. I think that's where I got this. Where she was basically saying, I mean, it's not rocket science. She was like. I made these with no pressure for radio play with no pressure for a pop hit at all. There's like nothing about that. So there isn't even one of those more radio friendly, quote unquote, options to choose from here. But I actually think Willow is one of the easiest to listen to. Yeah, I actually, I didn't go through this, but I was wondering how many of her singles were ever the first track on the album. It seemed kind of rare to me because normally they're not her singles. I I bet not many at all yeah I bet not I don't think either because like yeah yeah I think I want to say zero so ready for it is the first of reputation that was a single oh but it was not the single and mine was look what you made me do the song that that came out first yeah um mine is the first song on speak now oh so And Fearless is the first song on Fearless, but I don't think that, no, Love Story was the lead from that. So, yeah. Yeah. And Tim McGraw is the first song on Taylor Swift. Yeah. So that's, I don't think that was the first song either. So that was a fun little game we just played on Spotify. Yeah. And State of Grace was the first song on Red. Oh, so good. Um, I love, I think that it And Welcome to New York. Don't ever forget that great that it good was song. like a promotional single, but not an actual single, right? I think no, it's Blank Space, I think was the signal. Right? Mm, no, Shake It Off. How, guys, how can yeah. we not remember Shake It Off, obviously? Like, yeah. It was definitely Shake It Off. Because yeah. people were like, this is the worst song yeah. in the 1989 turned out to be a great That's song. the kind of song that like, I do not like Shake It Off when I listen to it by myself. But if I'm like in a grocery store or something and I hear it, I'm like, yay, they're playing yeah. Taylor. I love Shake It Off. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, in the right context, it's great. Um, speaking of, can we talk about the music video? Yes. 
Can we talk about how the song actually sounds like Invisible String and then there is an Invisible String, so it's not an accident? We can talk about that, yeah. Great. That's, can we that's talk about it. how the string also kind of like, it's like glowing, but it kind of looks like it's on fire and that's very like Sag mm. energy. It was, it was weird. <laughs> I thought this video was so weird. I also, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt because I was like, this is a pandemic. You probably couldn't get that many people cleared to be with you. So your options are limited. We're going to do some weird sci-fi like opening the closet. You're free. Then the closet clams up and you're stuck in this weird box. I don't know. Maybe I was just tired when I watched it, but he said that there are scene that the scenes Taylor Swift tries to do a lot with her music videos, right? So she has so many metaphors she's trying to do. You know, she wanted to have she called it a narrative device from a folklore song in this. So that's why the invisible string is there. And she said that there's a scene um, in the Willow music video that's supposed to be seven. Song oh. seven, which is when they're like in a in a making a fort. There's um a scene that's supposed to be mirror ball, which I guess is the glass case. Um, and two more that I'm currently blanking on in this moment. She also said, "Who's the guy?" I think the guy Her is friend like Tay is like from another. Was he in another music video? He I think was a red tour person. Yeah, like. I think it was a callback too with him. Yeah. Yeah. So she's trying to do a lot with these music videos. Did you guys not think the people in the cloaks reminded you of Handmaid's Tale? And I was like, is this a Mm. call to this too? But then you're dancing. So I guess it's like not that against the I was trying to figure out like what the aesthetic was supposed to be. Um, uh, Yeah. I mean, I'll just say I really, the song is one of my favorites. um, And like the guitar kind of like finger picking sort of thing in the beginning. I love it. Um, when she says, like, um, come back stronger than a 90s trend, that didn't fit with, like, the Anything. vibe of It's the her Instagram song. bio now. I know. What's that? It's her Instagram bio now. That's great. Um, it didn't, like, fit with anything else to me, but it, in a way where I was kind of, like, it just, it felt like a 1989 lyric, and yeah. I think she knew that. Um, I think she wrote it for her Instagram bio. Yeah. And in the video when she says it, and she's like fully in some like historical garb and she's just finished playing a lute, um, I was like the 1690s (laughs) or the 1890s. um, Literally. Literally. Okay. Also, I found, um, just to not leave anybody hanging, the other two scenes she said are uh, Mad Woman and Exile. So that's a lot to try to do in a music show. Yes. Yeah. But I love, I really am liking that song. I like it too. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's move right along. Champagne problems. I don't have a ton to say about this. Okay. Here are my thoughts about champagne problems. (laughs) (laughs) Number one, it sounds like New Year's Day. Like the opening, dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. there's glitter on the floor. That's what I literally like heard. Okay. And number good. two, I, um, in her liner notes, she references this song, not by name, but being like, you know, college sweethearts who show up to, you know, a big day or the holiday season or something like one planning to end it and one planning, you know, with a ring in his pocket. Um, and when I first listened to it my first time around, I actually thought it was about someone who chose to get an abortion. 
because oh. I thought that's what champagne problems was like, re- like referencing. I don't know. I don't know where I got that. And now I've listened to it more times than I, I no longer necessarily think that, but I don't know. It's in my brain now. And now it's in yours. You're welcome. Thank you. I'm with it. All right. Now we have to talk about maybe like one of the most talked about songs or the most, the most seasonal even tis the damn season. This one like wrecked me in a great way. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Becky, what do you think? I think this song is heartbreaking. I love it. It's like one of my favorite songs off the off the album. That's it. I have no insightful things about it. I just like it. It's sorry, it's sad. I, that's something. I don't know. It it just it reminds me of like my early 20s in a lot of different ways, you know. And home um, to Laura Marion. Shout out to Laura Marion. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Narberth. And it is, um, hmm? it's apparently the inverse of Dorothea. That's, oh. Those, they're the two people. I'll save the fun facts I have about Dorothea for all my okay, there. I look forward to it. Please, because I didn't pick up on that in the slightest. I don't know if you guys, I don't actually don't think so because we're going through this. I, I hate my brain. I can't really listen to lyrics and listen to songs, melodies at the same time. So I can't really comprehend about a song unless I read the lyrics. I like can't just, I, I know brains just all work differently, but yeah, that's yeah. a fun fact about me. <laughs> like I could listen to a song and you'd be like, oh my God, that's so heartbreaking. And I'll be like, I don't even know what the fuck I just listened to. I just like the beat. <laughs> I did have to, especially with a few of these songs, I did, I looked on Genius to, to like, I was like, what is this about? I had to, I had to do that for a few of these. Because the damn season I had to read, a lot of them I had to read because I was like. My favorite thing to do now with Taylor Swift albums, now that we've gotten in such a groove with them over the last few years is to walk with them and be doing nothing else. Cause that helps me just listen to the lyrics, which I love to do. Yeah, it does take a while, though, especially with an album like this, because there is a lot of like poetry. And again, there's like a lot of like different like time signatures happening and it's not just like consistent. So, yeah, totally agree. Great to read the lyrics. Tolerate it. Track five. Are we ready for track five? We never are ready for track five. I told Mimi and Hannah this this morning, but I woke up and I, for some reason on my spot, I, this was 7am. I didn't realize that Willow was track one. And I thought that no body, no crime was track five. And I was so amped. And I was like, yeah, Taylor, put a collab on your your track five. And then I realized it was tolerated, which I still liked. It just, I had psyched myself up that no body, no crime was a five. It wasn't. You, You were gassed up. I was gassed up. I was like, fuck yeah, ladies. Like, we did it. (laughs) But yeah, this song kind of um, drags for me. You know, it's kind of like, all right. Yeah. (laughs) I think I have to grow with it as a track five track because I didn't necessarily love my tears ricochet when I heard it the first time, but or Archer for that matter, but they've grown on me, but this doesn't have the same feel as those do where it's like, it builds like those songs, like unless tolerate does. And I can't remember, am I wrong? I don't know. 
But you know, those songs like super, super build. They both do. I don't think I could be wrong again too. Again, like this is, this is new to all of us, but I don't think this builds in the same way. And I think that's, yeah. 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 Certainly not in the same way. Um, I think that this song really reminded me of what I understand it's like to date John Mayer from, uh, from, from Speak Now and from reading Jessica Simpson's biography. <laughs> Shout out. Is this a 2020 John Mayer song? What was? This is a 2020 John Mayer. This is 2020 Dear John. Right. Exactly. Exactly. This is 2020. I'm still processing my 2011 relationship with John Mayer or, tw- or whatever year. Like when I would love that to be the case. When yeah. you're dating John Mayer and you're 19 and then he makes you feel like even more 19 than you already are. If you're Jessica Simpson, you're older mm-hmm. or if you're Taylor Swift and you're actually 19. 19 is too young to be messed with. Yeah. She said it. He she said, said it. it. But then I was thinking, if this is about John Mayer, or if this is about just her exploring what that hurt was like, you know, 10 years ago, over 10 years ago, I guess, I am now upset that John Mayer gets two track fives. Like, he doesn't deserve two track fives. He deserves one so that she can process it and move forward, but he does not deserve two. So I almost, I hope that it's not. I hope that it's just her trying on different, what different kinds of hurts are like. He's probably so vain, he thinks that. Tolerate is about him. <laughs> yeah. That's enough yeah. of John Mayer. Shall we move on? <laughs> Let's kill John Mayer. Nobody, Free, no cry. No cry. Great, amazing segue. To I meant nobody, no crime. John Mayer, the topic, just in case any law enforcement are listening. Let's kill the John Mayer topic. <laughs> right. With murder. The topic with murder specifically. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Hannah, if there's no body, there's no crime. Haven't you heard that SD works at Olive Garden on Tuesdays? <laughs> whoa, 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 back up. Tell us more. You didn't hear it. There's an, there's an Olive Garden lyric in the song when I was I'm, reading I it. completely, I completely know. I'm just trying to like, oh, okay. Uh, get you to talk so, about it. <laughs> I have to say you should be checking on the Olive Garden Twitter feed. It is very good. They are responding to people being like, did SD show up to work today? <laughs> Like shit like that and they're playing along it's good it's really it's what you would say is a plus corporate social media account i was gonna say like obviously olive garden knows how to shit post you yeah. know like <laughs> here we go it's really good Apparently, uh, that's great. um so this is the only song taylor wrote herself on the album which is interesting that therefore it would be a collab but apparently she texted Esty a while ago did you guys see this and she was yeah. like this will make sense later, but for now, just trust me. What's your favorite chain restaurant? And SD was like, Olive Garden, duh. So that's how that happened. I love the Heim sisters, as we duh. all know. Duh, Olive Garden. The Heim sisters are doing eight nights of Hanukkah where they're giving yes. away uh, things. But tonight's gift was the song. Right. It's a little lame, girls, right. if you're listening. But This song definitely um, owes a lot to other songs. Indeed. So I think um, a lot of us have been trying to like think about this all day. I think pretty early on in the day, many of us were like, okay, it's Goodbye Earl by the Chicks, the next generation, essentially. And the Chicks acknowledged that as well. They were like, yes, it's true. <laughs> that's that's what this is, um, you know, topic wise um, and sort of like country kind of mythology wise. But then I was like, but what? Oh, and, and when we when some of us like read the song title before we heard it, 
we were like, no woman, no cry, like Bob Marley, like, please don't go there. That's not the place for you to go, Taylor. That sounds like something Miley Cyrus would do, though. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) 2013 Miley Cyrus. (laughs) Would do that. Um, or 2022 Miley Cyrus. I, again, would not probably. play faster. <laughs> We're going to circle back around to that. Um, but uh, but I was like, but what does it actually sound like? And then like it hit me when I put on Carrie Underwood's Before He Cheats. And I was like, these are the same song. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like TikTok and California Girls, almost. Like, put them together and you're like, 100%. oh, this is the same song. I got a listen. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard it on like, I don't know, fourth or whatever, fifth. T- like it took me a while, but then I heard like the, like the opening yeah. of both is, I was like, what is that song? I was like, is it a Taylor Swift song that I'm thinking of? And then I was just like singing it to myself. I was like, what is that song? And I was like, right now. And I was like, oh my God, it's before he cheats. And that's Shout out yeah. to Carrie Underwood. Really, really good song. She's got a few really good songs. Oh, she's so talented. Yeah. For me, it was around, it was like the fourth or fifth listen to where I was like, please release me and tell me like what I'm thinking of. And there it was. Um, And we've been talking about this all day. So our friend Charlotte said, we want to share. She said um, about this song, in some ways it valorizes women defending themselves against abusive men, which doesn't not fit within the framework of abolition insofar as abolitionists speak out against how the criminal punishment system puts women in jail for like shooting their abusive husbands or whatever. Overall, I like this brand of feminist politics better than the one she presents in the man, LOL. Um, yeah. I, Cause we were raging against the man in that was only last year. Wow. Yeah, I know. Um, that's Three albums ago, but yeah. 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 We, we like this more. It's, it's deeper. Um, there's a lot to say about this song. I had just wished that that she had used time a little bit more. That's also how I felt with Soon You'll Get Better, but when she was with the chicks, like, I guess it's not really Taylor's. I, well, actually, it is. Taylor does do duets, so with men, she uses their voice more. But for with women, she often has them be, like, background vocals and not as much, like, and maybe that's an insecurity she has about other people's voices, other women's voices. I don't know, but I really had wished that they sang more. And I hope that we got a music video for it because I think it would be a lot of fun. I'll have a goodbye or music video. And I'm sure that Haim will do some like silly dance that they'll then teach the audience how to do. But I would like more. Would have liked a little yeah. bit. Would have liked one of them to sing. Especially because this is a collab that has been wanted for so long since they toured with Taylor in 2015, I guess, in the 1989 tour. So 2015, 2016, like people have been begging for this collab and I, I I think it's great. And I loved it. And I loved, I think probably Danielle or whoever it was being like, she was with me. Um, she was with me, dude, which is really funny, but yes, compared to the collab in my head that I have been thinking about for years it didn't it was not that but that's okay yeah that's okay I'll keep dreaming yeah also I think that the duets in this era that have been with men um were those were the ones written with Joe so I think that's probably why Mm. and we all know that Taylor doesn't really have that many girlfriends so do you know that Taylor Swift is in a pod a quarantine pod with Zoe Kravitz 
Oh no, I take it back then. No, I didn't. Did you know that? Can you believe that? How, what's the connection? I have no idea, but they're in a pod Being celebrities, I guess, is the connection. Yeah. Okay, Next, we're in happiness. My favorite song on the album. What? I love happiness. Great. There, there I, I said it. I, I like the lyrics and I like that it builds, but other than that, I'm like, I will be probably skipping this a lot. But go, tell us, tell us why you love it though. I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> I love it because on you for my it. favorite like, Taylor Swift songs are the ones that built. Like that's why I normally love all her track fives. Like my tears ricochet is one of my favorite songs off of folklore. Apparently she wrote this song last week. Thank you, Taylor, you for doing that, that for me. I can. She's like so prolific. What did she write this week? <laughs> that's what I want to know. Well, we'll find out when Woodvale comes out. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, go on. I think this song is really special. I think it's like a really perfect breakup album. Uh, I'm sorry, breakup song in a lot of ways. I think it's beautiful. I agree with that for sure. For sure. I think she has like time to, I mean, you know, the, the whole part of the whole theme of this is that like, she's not preparing for live shows that we know of and she's not like doing She's not like traveling to do like photo shoots and like this and that and music, like, like many music videos. And so like, here she is just like doing whatever this is forever, writing happiness the last minute. It's very different than the song Happiness by Little Mix, which we will talk about in our Little Mix episode, which is coming. Oh, my favorite Little Mix song too. Coincidence? It's such a good Little Mix song. Such a good Little Mix song. It's okay. Very- let's talk about, let's talk about what's next. Dorothea, which Reddit thinks is about Selena Gomez. (gasps) I would absolutely love to hear more about why Reddit thinks that. Let me pull up this Cosmopolitan article that, okay, there's a lot of reasons why that uh, people think that it is. Selena's favorite movie is Wizard of Oz, in which the heroine is called Dorothy. So Dorothea. You've got shiny friends since you left town, which is self-explanatory because she's famous. All right. Hold on one second. Sorry. Right. Because it's definitely about like a starlet. Yes. Um, the, and tiny screens, the place I only see you now, in which there's a photo of Selena holding up Taylor on FaceTime. And if you're ever tired of being known for who you know, you know you'll always know me. And then there's a Daily Mail article in which... It says, I think I'd be fine if it all went away. Selena Gomez says she's not addicted to fame and is grounded by friendships and religion. And there's a photo of her hugging Taylor Swift. Okay. I'm sold. None of those are super specific. It has to be Selena, except for Dorothea, if if Selena is known to be a Wizard of Oz. But I feel like Taylor has so many famous friends that it could be anyone. But we have another. Actually, probably. Oh, yeah. Another. Honey. Marking a, la- a lark of misery is referencing finding love in a miserable place. This is a stretch. Back in 2013, Selena, Gom- Selena Gomez was dating her ex-boyfriend, Justin Bieber, who things didn't end well with and both agreed that it was a toxic relationship. That one feels like the most of a stretch to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah, that's a little bit. Your mom little and your pageant cool. schemes. Selena's mom was a makeup artist mm-hmm. when Selena was a kid. That, Got yeah. It? Yeah. Wait, what's the line? Because Selena has a hard time with her mom. Your mom and your pageant schemes. Uh-huh. Okay. Schemes. And her mom is like a big 
presence. Like people know of Selena Gomez's mom more than they might know of Taylor Swift's other famous friends' moms. Interesting. That's the theory behind that. I thought it was fun. A fun little twist about Dorothea. Yeah. Well, I I like this song and I think it's... um, Me too. I like the story. I like the music. So yeah, apparently this was the first song she wrote for this album. And according to these theories that Dorothea and Tis the Damn Season are inverted, that that Dorothea is the one who sings Tis the Damn Season. So like in the in the parts about um you know these people who write books about me if i ever make it like it's someone who's like trying to make it but when she comes home she's like shit i'm now i'm just in my hometown but i'm actually trying to be like a star and lots to process yeah and like all the fake laughing and like this person's the only one who who knows her real laugh yeah mhm i love that yeah, uh, so now now the the crown jewel of the album coney island Becky, guide us through this, please. South Brooklyn expert. No, I just, there's no way she's ever been, I don't also don't know what bench she possibly could sit in in Coney Island. Uh, there's legitimately no way she's been there unless it was at 3 a.m., which if you know Brooklyn, you know, is per, perhaps maybe not the safest for one person to do to be in Coney Island at 3 a.m. I don't think she's ever been there. I do think that the National has been there since they are, a Brooklyn-based band, and a lot of their songs are about New York. So I, I buy that. I know that they co-wrote it, but I, I think that she's never sat on a bench and wondered about her baby before. Yeah, I can um, say that is the like it's not the biggest lie she's ever told because it's not very high stakes, but it is like maybe the clearest lie she's ever sounds told. like <laughs> very much not song about her. I will say if you guys have some time, you should look up Aaron Dresner. He used to live in a beautiful house in Ditmas Park, and in a, it, it, if you're unfamiliar with Brooklyn, Ditmas Park is home to a lot of old Victorian homes, um, and he had a beautiful house that he lived in for 15 years where it had the recording studio and he even rented the top floor of of it to one of his band members oh it's not there anymore looking up this song is how i learned um because aaron in his instagram post mentioned that he wrote this with his brother who is a musical collaborator and i clicked on his brother's wikipedia page and i was like wait that's aaron dresner and that's how i learned that they are identical twins and they look (laughs) exactly the same ben right Yes, yes, yes. I think. Okay. I'm learning all of this in real time. Oh, I like the national prior to this. Yeah. I like this song. This is the song we were mentioning earlier, Becky, about the lyrics that I had. I was having a hard time. I still kind of am figuring out what the tone of this song is. Me too. You know what I mean? Like what? Like, is it apologetic or is it fuck you? Or is it, I'm sorry, I genuinely am sorry, but I'm also mad at you? Like, I'm really having a hard time. Where's my baby? Yeah, but it's like, I'm sorry to make you my centerfold. Seems like, well, I'm sorry. Like, it it seems like that tone. It's like, right, because it's like making someone your centerfold is not like aspirational in a healthy relationship. I couldn't figure out every time I listen to it. I think you like hit the nail on the head because I think it's my least favorite, except for the way it sets up Ivy, which is about dreamland on Coney Island. But um, I, 
Right. But um, I, I feel like every time I was like trying to figure out, I was like, oh, the song like hasn't really started yet, even though it's been going on for minutes because I like haven't figured out what it's about yet. And then it would be over and I'd be like, oh, I missed it again. Like, I just I can't figure it out. Yeah. So, and that yeah. also like that's how I feel about a lot of the national songs, too. Mm. OK, that's good to know. Well, maybe someday we'll figure it out. We will historicize Coney Island as we have to. But for no fucking way she's ever been there. Yeah, she's never been. She's never been there. That was like the biggest, the biggest lie she's ever told. Prove it, Taylor. We can tell if it's photoshopped, even (laughs) though I'm sure you have like the best Photoshop experts on your side. We will parse whether or not you've been there. Okay, on to Cowboy Like Me. What do you guys think of this one? I will like this one day. <laughs> Not to say I don't right now, but a lot of people in the B-Sides community were saying this is their favorite. Um, wow. It's, I just keep forgetting it, frankly. So I just need to spend more time with it. Um, it's not what's grabbing me. Apparently it's supposed to be like two bandits. Well, of course, but who like meet in a resort which I don't understand how I'm supposed to know about the resort, but apparently they're in a resort according to Taylor Swift. Yeah. My, so my friend Anna said that she, she liked it. She was like, I can tell like this will probably be on my Spotify wrapped in 2021, but like, it's not there yet. Um, I really like the harmonies and I feel like there's like parts of it where it's like kind of like swaying, like when you're dancing with someone, you know? And I like that a lot. Um, And I am going to take the pleasure of reading what Jacob had to say um, on Instagram to us, which is, if Cowboy Like Me isn't played at my funeral, I'm not going. And I think that's fair, you know? I love that. That made me cackle. I think something I have a problem with with Cowboy Like Me is how the chorus has two cliches back to back. And I remember that she's done that, I think... um, I'm having trouble recalling it right now, but I'm pretty sure in New Year's Day at the end, there's like these two back-to-back, you know, like the back-to-back pieces at the end that she goes back and forth with. And in my, I think they're both cliches. And I just don't like that. Like there's a lot of cliches in Taylor Swift songs because what she's always trying to do is use something familiar and give it another meeting. But when they're back-to-back, I have a hard time. I'm like, say something new. Yeah. (laughs) Couldn't, Couldn't pick the song out of a lineup. I couldn't even tell you how it goes. So I think I need to give it another listen. I agree with that. Enough with the the cliches. I even thought, I'm sorry that I'm going to take us back now, but um, in like, even in Tis the Damn Season, where I understand the feeling that she's talking about, where she says like, um, the road not taken always leads to you. And I'm like, how do you know if you haven't taken it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Taylor, another big lie. <laughs> Yeah, that's a big lie. Well, that's a big lie, Taylor. <laughs> and then I'm like, all right, that's enough. I'm going to sit down. Um, yeah, fully like the cliches. Yeah, um, totally feel that sentiment in this and in and in other songs where she does that back to back. Should we get to Long Story Short, which some of us really love? It's a bop. And like, I mean that in the most literal sense of the term, because I'm always just bopping around. I'm like, bop, bop, long story short, I was a bad time. I love it. I love this song. I love that that uses the word nemesis. 
The plural mm. of nemesis in a song? You serious? It's amazing. Mm. Do you guys like it? It's fun. <laughs> so I like unenthusiastic. I I like Taylor Swift and I'm evermore. That didn't make sense. Never mind. I it's a fun song. <laughs> I feel drunk. I'm so tired. I feel it's been a long week. It's okay. We're gonna let's wrap this up soon. Um I like I, it. What can't say it's fun, Hannah? What? <laughs> I thought it was notable, the the lack of enthusiasm, <laughs> going back to how you, you know, this, this is not, this album isn't like doing everything for you. It's not giving you life at this time. Yeah. I blame Taylor for my tiredness. <laughs> I think if I was rich enough to have a fucking long meadow where I could just wake up and write songs and not have to worry about <laughs> paying rent. Sure. I too would be able to put out two masterpieces. No, I'm just kidding. It's a lot. It's really hard work. As I saw in this tweet. Pete Buttigieg or Taylor Swift can be the ambassador to China, but Pete Buttigieg couldn't write two songs, two albums in a pandemic. <laughs> Did you see the tweet that said something like, okay, I see Taylor Swift and I handle this quarantine really differently. <laughs> like, yeah. There were yeah. so many ones. When I, was, I was like, so the government only gave us one stimulus check, but we somehow got two Taylor Swift albums. <laughs> that one really hit. Yeah. That really hit. Who knows? Maybe we'll get a third. There's still a little over two weeks left. And I think we might get a Disney Plus. I think that could happen. That could be. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I like this song, too. I think I I didn't really care much for it at first. Like I thought it was fine, but it's really grown on me immediately. It is a bop. It's an absolute bop. Um, I think the the title is so funny. And like, I think the long story short, it was a bad time is hilarious given who she is and, and that she's not made any stories short over her career. And she knows that she think, I think that, I think that's really funny, but I, I do need to listen to it some more and get a sense, but I think it does cover the relationships that she's been through, like from rep- reputation era through this moment. So it really is a long story short. It's like, if you don't want to listen to all of my other albums, the TLDR is, it was a bad time and I survived. Totally. I think that's great. That is great. I didn't even really think about it that way. Me either. Yeah, that's perfect. Look what you made me do. It's, it's like, I fell off the pedestal. It was the wrong guy. I jumped to the nearest lips, getaway car. Like, and that, and then I'll, and then I'll, it okay. Is, it's- yeah, it's the um, it's like the Spark Notes version. Yeah, exactly. But but even it's like a cheat sheet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Track um, thirteen. Marjorie. Track yes, th- track thirteen. Lucky number thirteen, um, which we know she did like very, especially for that. I shed some tears over this one. I don't know about you guys, but it's like, I don't know. I love this song. This and Happiness are my number one. Love that. Songs. This song is about her grandmother, uh, which is super sweet. And she even credits her at the end of the song with like, I think it's like for background vocals or something. Can yeah, you can hear her that? singing at the end. Yeah. Grandmother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's super sweet. I love it. Yeah. I think this is this is something that i think we'll talk about um more a little bit when we do like a some sort of 
2020 retrospective, which of course everyone wants, because it's not like we've been having a retrospective all year. But I think that obviously this song is a lot about grief. And I think that grief is a major theme through a lot of this album in a way where it's like, it's like when you've lost someone, but it's like been a while and it's kind of settled and you're kind of realizing that like you're finding you're kind of like finding a way through it but there's still waves to it and like you see sort of the other side of grief which is that it's like also like there's like regret but it's also like kind of beautiful at the same time um and I I think that's like what this song is uh, is about where you can kind of like let the light in again and and see it and I think that's really sweet yeah and we can talk about that more because I think I think it's a theme through a lot of this album and I'm not surprised because this has just been like one of those years where there's a lot whether you've lost someone personally close to you or not it's just it's like you can just feel there's just like so much of it and there's a lot of reflection time as well so um yeah and like a desire to talk about that in public ways like mm-hmm. I've just seen a lot of, you know, public conversations about grief that is often a very private experience. I thought it was very notable, actually, that she says the word died and dead. I think a lot of songs about someone, you know, that might be a, a grandparent or someone in your life who you've lost, it's not a lot of, you know, mainstream songs about someone who has died say the words died and dead. I thought that was like really poignant. That's a good point. Like about someone who's actually died. You know, we talk about like ideas being dead or like a relationship is dead or whatever, but like actually the finality of it. Yeah. And And then she's like, but you live in my head. Yeah. And usually it's like uh, a little more nuanced, which is fine. And it's allowed to be, but you know, you were suddenly you were gone or something like that. And um, it's just interesting that, She's like using the words that hurt the most that are like the, the verb that happened sonically on a totally different note. It sounds like Bob O'Reilly to me, Hmm. (laughs) which Becky and I danced to together in 2005. That's funny. I don't hear it, but when I listen to it, like that, I I really can't. Yeah. Which like goes on throughout. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like Bob O'Reilly to me. That's great. All right, we're almost there. Let's talk about closure. One of my faves. I fucking love this song. I love it. You I think do. it's amazing. Oh my God. I don't need your closure. That's hilarious. Or like, that's just badass. I just love it. I don't know. I re- I'm really enjoying it. I love this album. I'm learning <laughs> through recording this episode. <laughs> There's something about closure and the chaotic time signatures that is kind of like beautiful to me um but i other than that i don't know that it's one of my favorites i don't know i understand i again cannot pick this song out of a lineup it's like i read your letter like i don't need your closure like yeah it sucks but like don't make this about you mm-hmm. that that's the yeah. vibe yeah and it starts off with like a crumbly crackly <laughs> static vibes Oh yeah, it does. Which is like Taylor Swift has never yeah. done that. That's really weird. That is that's not true. She's thing like... to do. Yeah, yeah. 
And then we got the last song. Evermore. Bonnie Bear. I don't, I don't, um, I may take some heat for this. I don't like super care for Bonnie Bear. Um, but a lot of people loved the way this like builds in the middle of the song when he comes in, they're like, wow, it really like changed. And it's like, and I was like, I mean, it did. I noticed it like, but it's impossible to miss, but it, but I don't know. I just can't, I can't take Bonnie Bear like that seriously. I don't know why. And he was very Bonnie Vary on this. On yeah. Exile, it's like, oh my God, yeah, that's that's Bonnie Vare. But here he's doing his like, I'm a ghost voice that <laughs> is beautiful and I love, but is different than the voice he was doing on Exile. There you go. That's the album. I really like that it builds in the middle, but it does kind of feel like it was two songs slapped together or just like that it doesn't feel as cohesive to me. Yeah, it kind of like comes in out of nowhere. It's yeah. not as much of like a build. I totally agree. It's like, yeah. And I wonder if they knew this was going to be the title, like if of the whole album. I'm curious about that. I wonder also if they did Exile and they also did this. Like, I would like to know yeah. how many. And we know that you wrote Happiness last week, but I wonder how many of these songs like could have been on folklore, but weren't, et cetera. Yeah. And something I was going to share in my overall reactions, which now that we've kind of closed the album, you know, might be relevant again is at first when I heard that Evermore was coming out in my head, it was like B-sides. It was the people, the people, the songs that didn't make folklore. And now she's working on them um, and wanted to release them like Carly Rae does. But I actually think that these have been written since folklore is my understanding. Yeah. They're too cohesive for me to think that they're like a B-side. Yeah. Yeah. They like have a a very similar theme, but maybe I'll come back to this in three months and be like, oh, this is my favorite album. But Okay, the other thing we have, we've gone a long time. I'm really proud of us. We have not yet talked about Gaylor, but um, it's relevant to Evermore. <laughs> and I'd like to share um, the, do you guys know the Emily Dickinson theory about this? No. Okay. So basically, um, Indigo is the first person on the b Sides Instagram who told me this, but since then I've seen it. So she dropped this. She announced this album on Emily Dickinson's birthday. Okay. Interesting. Maybe, maybe not. But the last line of a poem that Emily wrote to this woman named Sue, who was her lover and was a woman. The last line is like, she says like Sue evermore. Emily was born December 10th, 1830. And Taylor mentioned 1830 in her entertainment weekly interview, where she was like, I feel like I'm in 1830. Like I'm, we're like, it was something like, you know, in the forest, blah, 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 in, in 1830. So that's interesting. I saw also on Twitter, which I guess didn't make the connection to what you're saying, but is that uh, photo, the photo of Taylor Swift and Willow and then the photo of Emily Dickinson. Yeah, right. That's why people are making those connections. Cause she's right. like, you know, dropping this on Emily Dickinson's birthday, naming the year she was born and, and calling it actually quite an iconic. Well, she technically Dick- dropped it the day after Emily Dickinson's birthday. Right. Sorry. She announced it on Emily Dickinson's birthday. Anyway. So that's interesting as far as Easter eggs. Go. That is interesting. I never would have put that together on my own or like associated them in that way. Well, Okay, so to wrap up our final thoughts and like think about how our relationships to these sister albums, um, Hannah, you had posed the question of like, 
each of us listing our top six folklore and evermore songs in total and how many are from folklore and from evermore so what did you end up with even though this was i was like this could be a helpful exercise in figuring out overall if you know our heart is with folklore evermore more this was still impossible for me and i don't even know why i suggested it but i like my, it. <laughs> my first reactions to this question my top six from both are the one mirror ball August, The Lakes, Long Story Short, and Gold Rush. So that's that's a four to two. That's what we're working with here. Mm-hmm. What about you, Mimi? I'm three and three, um, but we have some in common. The one, August, and The Lakes from Folklore, and Willow, Ivy, and Marjorie from Evermore. Becky, where so, you at? Surprisingly, I'm also at four two. Um, I think Peace is her, I, Peace is probably one of my top five favorite Taylor Swift songs. Um, it's so great. If that's like levels above the other five I'm going to mention, but Peace, the one, which the one was my number one song on Spotify wrapped, seemed a little random to me, but. Probably because uh, you just, whenever you yeah, went to folklore. I started out, yeah, it makes yeah. sense. But uh, My Tears Ricochet, Mirabal happiness and which apparently happiness is a, is a hot topic on this no one else <laughs> agreed with me and and marjorie if you out there liked happiness please dm me and let me know yeah happiness crew that's great i mean we all share the one we yeah. share a song so that's kind of a great song it's a beautiful song all right i that's the end of our run through of this album and first reactions um let us know what you guys think more than you have already, if you don't mind. And like, let us know what did we get right? What did we miss? What do you think? Like, what do you want to fight about in the, the comment section that is like, that is life? Um, let us know. And you can do this in a number of ways. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at listen to the B-Sides on Twitter at the B-Sides pod and join our Facebook group by searching the B-Sides or going to bit.ly forward slash the B-Sides FB group. We also now have a website. Listen to the B-Sides.com, baby. Listen to the B-Sides.com. That makes perfect sense. Forward slash baby. (laughs) I'm just kidding. That baby's left in Coney Island. So. We're, we're working on that tab. We're work that tab is is gestating. We're working on it. Um, and rate and review us on iTunes if you wouldn't mind and you haven't already. That's it for now. So until the next time we cut to the feeling, I'm Mimi. I'm Becky. I'm Hannah. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Go wreck my plans. <laughs>